If you would turn to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, and verse 40, Matthew 25 and verse 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. So this afternoon I'm going to speak about an unpopular subject. Hell. Hell. What's a subject that Jesus probably taught on more than any other subject in the New Testament, in the Gospels. So we'll look at that stuff and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercies to us. Thank you that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And thank you, Father, that you loved us so much. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I pray, Father, as we, look in, as we consider this subject, that is a reality for those, will be a reality for those who reject the love of God manifested in, this, in your Son, the Lord Jesus. Uh, we pray that this will be, we understand this will be their end. I pray that you would uh, help us to see the truth and consider it, and Father, seriously, and Father, uh, make effort to reach those around us who are headed for a life of eternal torment. And, uh, Father, any in our midst who do not have eternal life, uh, repented of their sins, put their faith and trust in Thee, I pray that today they would realize their need, uh, for it is urgent. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there are more and more people, even in evangelicalism today, that are denying a literal hell. Of course, the JWs, Seventh-day Adventists, and many so-called evangelicals today. And even there's, none have never heard of this before, but I was preparing for this. There's what they call evangelicals, some evangelicals, not all. Some call it a conditional immortality or annihilationism. In other words, they're teaching that, you know, there's going to be, for those who don't repent and get saved, there's going to be a period of time of punishment, but eventually... They are people, everybody that's in hell will be annihilated. And the verse that was used to justify this teaching was Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, which says, Turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Well, that verse is just talking about how God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It says nothing about where their souls ended for all eternity. It's just about how he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But anyway, there's more and more people. But the Bible teaches very clearly that hell is a real place, that it is eternal. 
Um, and we even see here in this passage, verse 41 says, everlasting fire. Verse 46, everlasting punishment. And of course, there's many other places that the Bible uses that terminology, even as it describes life eternal. So hell is a place that's been prepared. If you notice in verse 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So God has prepared, hell is a prepared place, prepared for the devil and his angels, those who fell with him. Uh, It's not God's plan or God's purpose to send men to hell. Um, And and that's that's a justification for many to say that God would not do that, that God would not cast anyone into hell. Of course, the Bible clearly contradicts that, but we don't go to hell, or people do not go to hell because God's desire of them to go there. They go there because they refuse to repent. They refuse to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You know, God's plan and God's purpose is the redemption of mankind. But as we think about hell, uh, it is a place prepared. I believe it's in the center of the earth. Uh, in Amos chapter 9, there's an interesting uh, statement. Amos 9 <coughs> and verse 2 which says, Though they dig into hell, then shall mine hand take them, though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. So it's the idea here of a man trying to dig into hell to hide himself from God. Uh, Revelation talks about men trying to hide themselves from God. You know, we believe, do, do believe that hell is in the heart of the earth. If you look in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, verses 8 through 10, The Bible says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it that but is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that ascended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Of course, this is talking about Christ, who uh, descended into the heart of the earth first. Uh, before he ascended uh, into heaven. And, and so, you know, again, it's talking about into the lower parts of the earth. Uh, Isaiah talks about it being the lower parts of the earth and, and other places. Um, uh, and, and, of course, in, as we think about this, this place where Jesus ascended, it is not the same place that unsafe people go to. Now, uh, to get a little clarification of this, go to Acts chapter 2, and we'll see what's referred to here. Acts chapter 2, and verses 27 and verse 31. Acts 2, <clears throat> verse 37. Peter is preaching to the, nation, uh, the, to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. And he says this in verse 27, Acts 2. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell... Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And again in verse 31, He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Now the word hell, when it's used in the New Testament, is a word, English word translated from the Greek word Hades, which means receptacle of disembodied spirits. 
So when you see the word hell in the New Testament, it may refer to the place where the saints went, which was in the heart of the earth, Abraham also called Abraham's bosom, Luke 16, or it could refer to hell itself, uh, the place of the abyss where the unsaved people go. And, but it's just, it just means the place of disembodied spirits. So there were two parts prior to Jesus going there and we believe emptying that one part. Uh, there were two parts to it. Uh, if I go to Luke 16, and, and I'll, I'll show you this. Luke 16. You know, there are some that say that Jesus went to hell itself. But the Bible says in, in uh, Ephesians 4, he saw no corruption. And, and the hell that we think about where unsaved people go is a place of corruption. Jesus did not go there. He went where the Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. And we find this in Luke 16 where it says, uh, verse 19, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. A certain beggar named Lazarus laid at his feet gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. More of the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. So, so he goes where Abraham is. And we know Abraham was a righteous man. And... The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So, you know, in the Old Testament and during the times of the Gospels, prior to Jesus' resurrection, the, the paradise or the place where disembodied spirits of saved people was in the heart of the earth, close to the place called hell, and evidently they could see from one place to the other, though they could not pass from one to the other. Um, so, you know, the rich man was not in torment, or the, I'm sorry, the beggar, Lazarus, was not in torment, but the rich man was. So prior to Jesus, and what Jesus did in Ephesians 4, it talks about him ascending or descending first into the lower parts of the earth, and then leading captivity captive, Understand that until Jesus' death and resurrection, his sacrifice for sin, sin could not be cleansed. Man could not enter into the presence of God. It's not by blood of bulls and of goats can never take away sins. Hebrews 10 tells us that. So until Jesus came and died and shed his blood and was resurrected, man could not go from this life to heaven where God is because the price had not been paid yet for his redemption. But when Jesus died, he went to this place and led all those that were captive there in Abraham's bosom, as it were, were taken then to heaven uh, with him. But, the, but the, the unsaved are still cast into hell, still in the heart of the earth. So that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's where the place of hell is. Now this, this Abraham's bosom was a place of temporary rest of Old Testament saints. Uh, but, of course, Jesus emptied that place. Now the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, to be absent with the body is to what? Be present with the Lord. And so, so when the Bible uses the word hell, in Acts chapter 2, and it says where Jesus not, has not left his soul in hell, it's talking about Abraham's bosom 
the word is Hades, and it could mean could mean place of torment, or could mean Abraham's bosom. In the context, of course, we'll tell you uh, that. So, but as we think about the regular, as we consider often refer to, the most common reference to hell uh, is in the heart of the earth. And, and I want to notice a couple things about it. First of all, it's a place of torment, eternal torment. Here in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, it says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And then again in verse 46, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. Uh, where we were in, in Luke chapter 16, it, it makes reference there to the torment of the rich man. Uh, in verse 23, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Lazarus afar off, and uh, Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Obviously, this was a Jewish man. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Let me dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, sent that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they come into this place of torment. And so it is a place of torment. Uh, the Bible speaks of it as a place of darkness, of darkness. You know, in Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 10. Revelation 16 and verse 10 uh, speaks of, of darkness. Um, Revelation 16 10 says, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and in all their pains for darkness. You know, as we think about darkness, darkness is a, is a torment. Uh, you know, it says they gnawed their pains for darkness. Have you ever been in a place where it was completely dark? Um, you know, you go outside at night, if you live around here, it's not dark. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's glow, the city lights, you know, uh, we were in... I think it was Pennsylvania the last time, and I looked up at the sky, and I thought, I can see a lot more stars here than I can home. And, um, you know, we have a pole light that gives some light. Uh, you know, it's somewhat dark, but your eyes can adjust to it. You can see to it. But I remember one time years ago, we were at the, I think it was the uh, Lost Sea Canyon there, and uh, that's in Tennessee, I think it is. Anyway, and they, they turned out all the lights for, you know, a few brief moments. You know, you're down in a cave, and they turn out all the lights. And you can't see your hand in front of your face. That's darkness. And, and they say, you know, they, they told us, now, we'll, we're just going to do it for a brief moment, because if we've learned that if you leave, it on too, leave the lights off too long, people start to panic. 
start to panic. Darkness. Um, you see, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is not in hell. It is a place of outer darkness. The Bible calls it a place of outer darkness. Uh, it's darkness that, come, that we can, uh, cannot be, can, can be felt. Uh, it's a place of pain and suffering. Again, verse 46, it says, And these shall go away unto everlasting punishment. Can you, can you imagine be like getting an eternal weapon? A one that never ends? Chapter 25 and verse 30 says, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there it is, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Chapter 24, verse 51, And shall cut him asunder and appoint his portion with hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you ever hurt so bad you grit your teeth, you grind your teeth? You, know, you have to hurt pretty bad to grind your teeth. But the Bible says here they're going to they're be gnashing. They're going to grind their teeth because of the pain. Because of the pain. Uh, Mark chapter 9. You know, and again, there's many places in the Bible that refers to this. And it's a warning to us and to the people of the world. Matthew 9, or Mark 9 verse 43. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Better to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If thy foot of hand than thee, cut it off. It's better to, to, for thee to enter in halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It's better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. You know, the, the, what he's saying is the worst thing that could happen to you in this life is better than going to hell. Going to hell. Better to be maimed than go to hell. Uh, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. Now, this talks about the lake of fire, but death and hell are going to be cast into the lake of fire, which is second death. Verse 13, 14 says, The sea gave up the dead which were in it, the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So it is a place of torment, eternal torment. It is a place where there is no mercy. No mercy. The day of mercy has passed. You know, there's a, there's a, a time appointed. It's appointed unto a man who wants to die, and after this, a judgment. He has an appointment with death. Once you leave this life, it is too late. Once you leave this life, it is too late. And if you spurn God too, too often, it may be too late. You know, there was no mercy. The rich man in hell pleaded for some mercy. He pleaded to Abraham for just a little mercy. 
Uh, it says in verse 24, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. You know what? The reality is this man still hadn't learned. He looked on Lazarus as a dog. A fellow Jew who was a beggar, he maybe probably had some kind of disease or something that he could not you know, provide for himself. And so he, his, he, was, he, ca- he had cast himself on the mercy of the rich man to, to provide sustenance for him just to survive. And the only thing that the rich man would give him was crumbs that the dogs ate. And now he still wants Lazarus to serve him. Think about it. He still wants Lazarus to serve him. And he says, this is all he, but this is all he asked for. Just dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, thou art tormented. Now, it has nothing to do with that he was rich. It's the fact <coughs> that he saw his brother had need, and he had the means to meet that need, and he did not. What's First John 3 tells us? If we see our brother have need and shut up, all, shut up our bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in us? So he did not. Then he says, beside all this, verse 26, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said... I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. So he's still wanting Lazarus to do his bidding. For I have five brethren, and he may testify unto them, lest they come also unto this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So there is no mercy. You know, some, some commentators have said, you know, this may have been the rich young ruler. But we don't know that, of course. You know, he didn't ask for pardon. He didn't ask for a good meal. He didn't ask for a tall glass of cool water. He just asked for a little drop of water to cool his tongue. You know, I believe that he knew he was not deserving of the mercy of God. He had rejected with scorn and contempt the Son of God. He had rejected the counsel of God against himself, and his guilt is brought to his remembrance. And now there's no mercy. There's no mercy in hell. The days of mercy are over. The days of opportunity are over. So hell is a place where there is no mercy. It's a place from which there is no escape. Again, verse 26. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a grave gulf fixed. So they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And of course, the Bible speaks of it in other places as everlasting torment. So it's obviously there's no escape from this place. No escape 
you know, if there's no escape, then there's no annihilation. It speaks of eternal. In Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, 2 Peter 2 and verse 4, it says, For if God spared not the angels of sin, and cast them down to hell, and delivered it into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So they were reserved there unto judgment. Um, you know, again, Mark 4, or Mark 9 speaks of everlasting. All these places speak of everlasting. Revelation chapter 20 we looked at uh, speaks of the lake of fire, which, where, the, where the beast and the false prophet are. You know, by the way, the beast and the false prophet have been there a thousand years when the devil was cast into it, and they're going to be there forever. There's no escape. And Jesus Christ has the keys of death and of hell. Look at Revelation 1, 18. Revelation 1, 18. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1. Let's start at verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. This is, of course, the Apostle John. He's banished on the Isle of Patmos. And he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in the book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. I turned to see the voice that spake with me, being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed the garment down to the foot, and girded about perhaps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. You know, the Sun's sign strength, his countenance reminds us on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was transfigured before them as the sun shineth as white as snow. Verse 17, when I saw him, I felt his feet as dead. And he laid his hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of Jesus Christ has the keys of hell and of death. Therefore, if you reject him, your destiny in hell is sealed for all eternity. It is a place of no escape. It is eternal torment. But as I notice a fifth thing, it is a place from which prevention is provided. You know, it's not compulsory for anyone to go there. There is no reason why man has to fear hell. You know, every, of course, every person is born in sin with a sin nature. 
Isaiah, or Psalm 51, 5 says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive. We know that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. However, we also know that God provided salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, we know that all of the sin uh, comes short of the glory of God. And, and the wage of sin is death, which is hell. But, but God provided for us a way that we uh, can escape or uh, be delivered from hell. Look at Matthew chapter 7. We looked at this last week. And, and really, he gives us a choice here. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, when narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So he tells us to enter in. This is the instruction that God gives. Enter in at the straight gate. In other words, and this straight means the way of many obstacles, as we looked at last week. There's many obstacles to, to eternal life. But he says you have to choose, you have to decide to go in at the straight gate. It is the way of choice. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 5. You know, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and, you know, he says... Uh, uh, you know, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus gets right to the point. He says, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then and Nicodemus saith to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb be born? Jesus said, answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, ye must be born again. Now, you, you, Nicodemus, you have to make a choice whether you want to be born of the spirit. If you want to enter heaven, you have to be born of the spirit. If you want to enter into the kingdom of God, be delivered from the kingdom of darkness, you have to be born of the spirit. And he tells them it's a choice just as the Old Testament saints had a choice, you remember when they sinned against the Lord and God sent fiery serpents and bit them. He you know, speaks of poisonous snakes. And people were dying from the snake bites. And so they came crying unto Moses and saying, you know, crying to the God for us. So he cried unto God and God said, you, you make a, brass, a serpent out of brass and you put it on a pole. And then you tell them to look to the brass serpent. Whoever looks to the brass serpent will be healed. That was a choice. Now you have a choice. When you're bitten, you have a choice. Either try and get deliverance from the snake bite yourself. Self works. Works. That's a work salvation. Or you can, by faith, though it sounds really stupid, you can, by faith, look at this brass serpent on a pole and God says, if you look at that, you'll be healed. That took faith. It was faith versus works. I'm sure they came up with ways or had ways they tried to treat these poisonous snake bites. But it wasn't working. And I'm sure there were probably still people who, uh, you know, that snake on a pole, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. You know, whoever thought of looking at a snake on a pole was going to heal me on my snake bite. I'll do it my way. That's what people say today. 
about their need to repent and be converted. No, it's a choice. Nicodemus, you have to make a choice. He says, as Moses lifted up the servant of wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, hell is a place from which prevention has been provided. It's not compulsory that anyone, in fact, it's not God's desire that anyone go there. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here this morning or this afternoon and you've never really repented, God wants you to repent. That's his desire for you. And see, the now is the time to repent. You know, we don't know when the Lord's coming. Furthermore, we do not know when we're going to leave this life. Now, I have plans this week. You know, I'm planning to get in the car on Friday and head north. Hopefully, it's going to get cooler as I go. Doesn't, according to the weather, it's not very hopeful. I told my wife we should go a different time of year when it's more cool, cooler up there. But anyway, my, my plan is to head north, but I don't know for certain that's going to come to fruition. If the Lord wills, it will. We don't know what tomorrow may bring forth. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, but thou knowest not. Well, you might say, well, I'm young. Yeah, well, lots of guys have said that and haven't lived to tell about it. We don't know. You see, the time to repent is now. In Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 3, in verse 18, when Peter is preaching to the Jewish people, in verse 18 and 19, he says, But those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore. Christ has suffered for your sin, therefore repent and be converted. In other words, you need to change your mind and you need to turn around. That's what it means to be converted. Turn around. Be made new in Christ Jesus. That your sins may be blotted out. So that your sins will be erased in the sight of God. Because God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. You You can have the refreshing cleansing of God from your sin and have assurance of life eternal and not the doom look of everlasting torment. You know, there's no in-between. There's no in-between. You know, there's lots of people that are teaching you something in-between. But there is no in-between. It's either heaven or it's hell. Both are eternal. 
Both are eternal. One's eternal life, blessing, peace, joy. The other is torment, pain, suffering, eternal anguish. Where there is no mercy and no end. But you know, we don't have to fear that if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. What does 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 tell us? So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up. Death and hell is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, you don't have to go to hell. No one does. And no, there are not some that are chosen to go there. There's no such thing as too great a sinner to be saved. Paul said, I was a chief of sinners. He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, guilty of murder. He was a chief of sinners. Yes, hell is a real place. A place with those without Christ. Those unbelievers, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the liars, the sorcerers. It'll be their dwelling place for all eternity. Some of them are people you and I know. We, like Christ, need to warn them. There are consequences to dying without redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to warn them of the reality of hell. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory.